Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome once again to another podcast episode. Uh, Today, again, we're going back some several years to some teaching that we did over television in 2001 on the message of the cross. Uh, The message of the cross is so important that you can't teach it too much, you can't study it too much, and you'll never exhaust the subject in your understanding. So slowly but surely we're bringing back some of these old telecast audios because I believe that they might be a blessing to you. So right now we're going to go into today's audio called Possessing the Double. We ask this question, does this mean that Christians have no more obligation toward the moral law? And the way we ended the program, we tried to explain to you how we do not look to the law of God, the written ordinance that has been nailed to the cross, as our power source for morality. Because it, the law in and of itself has no power to cause us to keep it. And yet God does in fact demand that the law be kept, but it's kept in Christ. And it's performed, or it's, it's uh, how does Ephesians 2.10 say it? It's good works created in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, these are the things, uh, pretty much this is where we left off with our last telecast. Now, I want to read you some more statements here from the Jimmy Swagger Bible Commentary on the book of Colossians, chapter 2, and verse 14. The weakness of all law, the weakness of all law, is that it merely commands, but has no power to have its commandments obeyed. Like a discrowned king, the law posts its proclamations, but has no army at its back to execute it. But Jesus Christ puts his own power within us, hallelujah, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And his love he puts in our hearts. And so, we pass from under the dominion of an external commandment into the liberty of an inward spirit. Glory to God. Let me say that again. As Christians, as believers, with our faith properly placed in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, we pass from the dominion of of a written code to the liberty of an indwelling spirit, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Now, listen to this great promise that was fulfilled because of what Jesus did at the cross. God said, I will put my law into their minds and write it on their hearts. Now, how does God do that? That could be called renewing the mind. How does God do that? You see, it is God. It is It is the work of the Holy Spirit to renew the believer's mind. It doesn't happen simply by the believer taking the Bible and putting a bunch of information in. That's not the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind is a work of the Holy Spirit when we submit ourselves to Christ. 
Amen? When we properly place our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary's cross, His finished work, the Holy Spirit comes and puts the law of God in our minds and writes it on our hearts. Amen? Now we are synchronized by the power of the Holy Spirit, thereby producing change in us, making us more Christ-like, making us more godly, making us holy, making us pure. But beloved friend of mine today, it is all a work of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have to cooperate with Him. Yes, we're, we have to, to know what the Word of God says. Yes, we have to communicate with God through prayer. But the Holy Spirit is the, the power which worketh mightily in us to produce change. Hallelujah. Listen to this, Christian. Glad obedience to God comes with the, with the power of the new life. Amen. For the sake of the love of our dear Lord, who bought us by His death. See, now, we don't struggle to obey a written code, but glad obedience is produced in us by the Holy Spirit of God. Because of, because of what Jesus did at the cross. Oh, neighbor friend of mine today, it's all at the cross. Every blessing you need, whether that blessing is the new birth, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, divine healing, prosperity, whatever the blessing you need from God today, an answered prayer, a lost loved one coming to Christ. Every blessing was provided at Calvary. Hallelujah. And when we lay claim to Calvary, dear ones, we walk in the mighty power of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. Now Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But that's not a thou shalt or else. Because Jesus did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Law died with Christ on the cross in order that it might rise and reign with Him in our inmost hearts. I want to say that again. The law of God died with Christ on the cross in order that the law of God might rise and reign with Him in our hearts. Oh, hallelujah. See, we're talking about our responsibility to the law. And again, let me encourage you to take advantage this week of our free offer. If you, if you haven't been with us for the entirety of this series, just write and ask us for it. It's free of charge, and we'll be glad to send it to you. Now, let's talk about the phrase, nailing it to his cross. This has reference to the Old Testament concept of what was referred to as the double, or the, the possessing the double, possessing the double. The prophet Isaiah said, after giving great predictions concerning the coming Messiah, for your shame you shall have double, 
and for your confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. Isaiah 61 verse 7. The idea behind possessing the double is this. Whenever an Israelite went bankrupt, all of his debt, debts would be posted on a piece of animal skin and it would be tacked up in a or nailed up in a prominent place right beside the city gate. This way, everyone could see how much this poor bankrupt fella owed. Cons you know, consequently, the shame of it would be obvious. As many as desired to, to do so could look upon it and see exactly what this guy's debt uh, was, and they could ruminate about the amount that he owed, and they'd gossip and all of this stuff. It always brought to the individual great humiliation and shame. Every once in a while, a very rich individual to which the amount owed was a little bit more than pocket change. I mean, the guy owed him a lot of money. He would, for whatever reason, settle that account himself. My dear friend, this is just what God did for us. He settled the account himself. Amen? He possessed the double. The wealthy benefactor would go to the place where the account was inscribed upon the record and he would take it and fold it over thereby hiding the debts and that was called possessing the double. We've got to break for what we have said thus far. When an Israelite, we're talking today about possessing the double and if you remember we read to you uh, from the Word of God, Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7. This, is, this was a type in essence of what Christ would do. When an Israelite in that day would go bankrupt, he would take and he would have to list out all his debts and nail it by the gate of the city. It caused him great shame, great humiliation and embarrassment naturally. Uh, sometimes one of the wealthy Israelites would come along and would see that and for whatever reason they would he would fold that paper over take you know he'd take the nail out fold the paper over renail it and write on the front hallelujah paid in full that's called possessing the double thereby the bankrupt Israelite was freed from his debt hallelujah to the lamb forever that wealthy Israelite, whoever it was, for whatever reason, they uh, paid that debt, would sign their name on the doubled over skin of parchment. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something, neighbor friend of mine today. When Jesus died on the cross, He took all of our sins. Oh, hallelujah. Our sins that were so ugly that were so humiliating and degrading. Jesus took all of our sins that were so very shameful. Hallelujah. They were written down for all to see. And He folded it over. And He nailed it to His cross. 
Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. He nailed it to the cross. He possessed the double. Hallelujah for you and for me. And He wrote on it, paid in full with Jesus' blood. Glory to God, I tell you today, we serve a great Savior. We serve a wonderful Jesus. We serve a mighty Christ. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. He possessed the double on our behalf. You see, we were bankrupt by sin and guilt and wickedness and shame. But Jesus, oh hallelujah, He possessed the double. Glory be to God. Now as we conclude today's broadcast, and you'll have to excuse me while I shout for a minute. Hallelujah to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you possessed the double. I thank you that you went to Calvary for my sins and for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. That should cause you great joy and excitement today, neighbor. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Praise God. Praise God. I owed a debt I could not pay, but He paid the debt that He didn't owe. Hallelujah. And today I am in Christ. Hallelujah. And I am free from sin. I'm free. Hallelujah. Because of the liberty of the cross. This is what Jesus did at the cross. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I can live a continuous life of victory as a Christian because of what Jesus did at the cross. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, as we conclude today's program, we want to look at verse 15 of Colossians 2. And I want to read it to you here. Having spoiled principalities and powers... He made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in His cross. Paul is here affirming that Christ has disarmed the forces of evil. Now, you see all of the trouble that Satan is causing in the world today, and you wonder, well, what does this mean that Christ disarmed the forces of evil. Well, see, we live in a fallen world and, and many, many people are not born again. Amen? And so thereby, they are still controlled by their sin nature. And we live in a fallen planet and we have tragedies and disasters and evil that hits us and attacks us. There are evil people in the world. There are people in the world today that have chosen to serve the devil. I mean, it's a stupid choice, but they did choose to serve the devil. But in reality, at the cross, Jesus Christ totally defeated Satan. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, uh, Brother Paxton, can someone put a curse on a Christian? And no, the answer is no. Not if you are a Christian who has properly placed your faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. You are protected from all curses. Hallelujah. You're protected from witchcraft. You're protected from hypnosis. Glory to God. If your faith is properly placed. If you're just simply a church attender, but you've never been born again, or if you have your faith 
in another object besides the cross, then there is no protection. Amen. And this is another great benefit of what Jesus did at the cross. He protects the believer. Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. Christ has disarmed, disarmed the forces of evil. He not only disarmed them, He publicly exposed them. Amen? At the cross, Jesus Christ publicly exposed the forces of evil. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that criticize preachers today that preach against sin. But I want to tell you, Jesus preached against sin right from the cross. His very death, burial, and resurrection in itself was a sermon against sin. And it was love, hallelujah, that sent Jesus to that cross. And it is love when you stand behind your pulpit and warn, believe, warn people about sin. Amen? And God has exposed the evil forces at the cross. God exposed witchcraft as evil. He exposed Ouija boards as evil. Amen? He exposed hypnosis as evil at the cross drug addiction and alcoholism and perverted and illicit sex and every other sin, gambling, it was all exposed as evil at the cross. Hallelujah. And it is love, true love, Bible love that will warn others about the ravages of these terrible sins. Praise the Lord forever. Jesus exposed the forces of evil to the entire universe as His captives. Hey, glory be to God for the cross. Amen. The evil forces, the evil principalities and powers spoken of here. The same thing that's talked about in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. These principalities, these powers, Jesus spoiled them. They are His spoils of war. They are His captives. Hallelujah. What are you saying, Brother Paxton? I'm saying that you can be free from sin today if you'll put your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Amen? Because the foe that attacks you is a defeated foe. Glory be to God. Because of Calvary. Now let's look real quick at, as we begin, and we'll probably have to pick up with this next week, how did the cross and the resurrection accomplish this task? And I want to read you again from some notes here from Brother Swaggart's commentary on Colossians. Due to the fall, Satan legally had a claim on the entirety of the human race. The seed of all humanity was in Adam's loins. So when Adam fell, when Adam fell in the garden, and let me tell you something, by the way, uh, uh, Mr. O'Reilly, this is a literal story. Adam fell in the garden. Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And consequence, consequently, his sin was passed on to the entire human race. It's called the sin nature. Okay? Sin is the legal claim that Satan has on humanity. He now rules Satan, in effect, now rules the entirety of unsaved humanity. This means that man, God's original creation, 
created even in it originally a little higher than the angels. What a glorious thing. Look at Psalm 8 for a reference on that. But man is now infested with a satanic nature, which is the very opposite of the divine nature. Before the fall, man enjoyed total God consciousness, totally walking in the divine nature. Amen? So Satan now rules the world system along with his demon spirits and fallen angels. He holds man in captivity in totality. Hence, making this world, which God originally intended to be a paradise, a veritable hell. Satan has filled our world today with murder, hate, covetousness, greed, selfishness, immorality of every stripe, envy, jealousy, and the list is endless and goes on forever. To be sure, God is almighty and Satan is far less. So the question would be asked, why would not the Lord stop Satan? Why did not God kill the devil at the beginning? Well, that's a viable question. But Here's the answer to that. Satan's hold on mankind is legal because man chose to sin. Consequently, God, who had made the law in the beginning, could not violate His own statutes. You see, beloved, God will not violate His own Word. As long as sin remained, Satan had the right to do what he was doing. Secondly, in answer to that question, sin being an infraction of God's laws, if it's left unchecked, will destroy the entirety of the human race. Oh, neighbor friend of mine today, as I close this message, sin is so destructive. You might think it's a big time right now. You're, you're, you're hoisting those bottles of beer. You're smoking that joint. You're shooting up with that needle. You're sleeping around all over town. You're mean, you're hateful, you're nasty, and you might think it's great fun for right now, but it's so destructive. Neighbor friend of mine today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I invite you right now to receive Him into your heart and life. I invite you right now to receive Him. Sin is so destructive. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and change your life for time and eternity right there where you are. Confess your sins to Him and ask Him to forgive you. And He'll do it. He'll do it. Praise the Lord. Sin would destroy the entirety of the human race. So God had to provide a perfect sacrifice to totally defeat sin. And that perfect sacrifice, dear one, is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus did at Calvary. When He hung there, He made it possible for you and for me. Oh, we've failed so many times. We've strayed. We've gone away from the ways of God. But because of the cross, because of Jesus, because of the blood, 
we can have a relationship with God. I want to have a word of prayer with you now. I don't know you. I don't know what your life consists of today. But I tell you the most important decision you could ever make is to say yes to Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to pray a simple prayer and the words of this prayer will not save you. But if you believe it with all of your heart and and you're sincere, you can and will be saved. Amen. So wherever you are, just repeat these words and and mean them and believe them with everything within you. Amen. And you will come away a new creation in Christ by the time this telecast is over. Dear God in heaven, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I realize that I'm a sinner and I've broken your law. I realize that I cannot change myself. I'm sorry for my sins and for the way that I have lived my life. And right now, I ask you to forgive me, God. Wash me right now in the blood of your Son, Jesus. Oh, Lord, come into my heart and change me. Change my way of living and make me what you want me to be. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, praise. Oh, yeah.